are listening to the Sunday Sermon from Crossroads Bible Church in Bellevue, Washington. To learn more about Crossroads, visit us on our website at cbcbellevue.com. We are so glad that you're tuning in today and hope you have a very Merry Christmas. Now, how many of you really love Christmas? Go ahead and raise your hands. Okay, about all of you. And I see hands even in our overflow room and those of you who are watching online. But I have a confession. I don't really love Christmas all that much. I mean, I know a lot of you like the cold weather. You like Christmas crowds. You like Christmas shopping. You like Christmas decorations, Christmas music, Christmas movies, Christmas cookies. And of course... Christmas presents, but I don't even like Christmas presents because I don't want people spending money on me. I don't really love Christmas like a lot of you. It's so bad that family members and friends have called me Scrooge, to which I can only reply, bah humbug. Now, I hope you don't think less of me. Church is a place where we need to be authentic and transparent, right? Are you with me? Now, I've had to reflect on this personality quirk of mine for many, many years. But as I've tried to discern what exactly is wrong with me, I've been able to discover I love Christmas lights. I love Christmas lights. Now, I also love my wife's gluten-free Christmas cookies. But I digress. I love Christmas lights. I grew up in Bremerton, and the street above ours was the legendary Candy Cane Lane. 19 years of enjoying Candy Cane Lane with the best Christmas lights you could imagine. And then to show you God's sense of humor, my first three years of marriage were spent in Portland right next to Peacock Lane, which is the equivalent to Candy Cane Lane. It is the place that people throughout all of Oregon and all of Washington travel far to enjoy the best Christmas lights you could imagine. And I love those Christmas lights. But I'm not like you. You probably go and put Christmas lights up in your house. You'll put them all around the outside of your house. You will risk life and limb, and you will pay an exorbitant electric bill for Christmas lights. Now, i got to tell you, I love Christmas lights, but I'm not paying the electric bill, and I am not being inconvenienced or risking my life to climb to the top of a roof line for Christmas lights. So what I am doing is, I am enjoying other people's Christmas lights. Now, why is it that almost everyone, Scrooge or Christmas lover, loves Christmas lights? Why is it? Have you ever stopped and asked yourself that question? Is it that you just think lights are beautiful? Are you a competitive person by nature, and you're trying to one-up your neighbor? Do you want to spread Christmas cheer 
through your Christmas lights. Why is it that everyone loves Christmas lights? That's an odd question, isn't it? But what's fascinating is the Bible actually answers that question. John's gospel, the gospel of John, answers the question, why are we so fascinated and intrigued by lights? Why do we love Christmas lights so much? So turn with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, we'll be looking at the first 13 verses. And if you don't have a Bible with you, the passage will be available on the screens as I walk us through this text. In the first five verses, we'll see that God actually brings true light to the darkness. And He did so during the time that we call Christmas. Listen to these verses. John writes, in the beginning was the Word. Now, if you drop down to verse 14, you'll discover that the Word is identified as Jesus Christ. So I'll help us to understand this with greater clarity. In the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word, Jesus, was with God, and the Word, Jesus, was God. He, Jesus, was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. Jesus. So these first three verses tell us Jesus is the eternal God, and He's also the creator God of the entire universe. But that's not what we're going to be focusing on. We're going to focus on a particular theme that has to do with the light. So look at verses 4 and 5 with me. John writes, in Him, in Jesus, was life. And the life was, past tense, the life of men or the life of humanity. So this past tense use of was, notice, not is, was, Jesus was the light of all humanity, that's referring to creation. Do you realize Jesus Christ, being fully God, was in the beginning with no beginning, and he, being God, spoke the first words on behalf of God. Let there be light. Genesis 1, verse 3. Now, what's fascinating is God the Father and God the Son, the Lord Jesus, they don't create the luminaries, the sun, the moon, and the stars, until the fourth day of creation in verse 14. So what Jesus does is he gives us the ultimate light show. He reveals his glory in the beginning. He showcases his majesty, his splendor, and he demonstrates what he says in John chapter 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. So he does that in creation, past tense. He does that when he comes to earth in the form of a baby, a human being. But that leads us right into the present tense in verse 5. Listen to these words. The light shines, present tense, in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So the light, present tense, the Lord Jesus, is shining, keeps on shining. It's continual. It's constant. And the entire world knows it. There's only one problem. They don't comprehend the light. They don't understand the light, the Lord Jesus. 
Now, in John's gospel, John uses words that have two different shades of meaning. So, some of your English Bibles will translate this term overwhelm, overpower, or conquer. And that's all by design. The negative use, the world will not comprehend Jesus, simply means that they don't understand him fully. They've chosen not to prioritize him. But what John wants us to know is that decision to not comprehend Jesus, to not pursue Jesus, doesn't mean that the light is overpowered or conquered. The light will continue to shine in the midst of a dark world, even in the midst of people that don't choose to understand. I want you to imagine that your house is especially dark. Many of us have dark homes. I hope you have a flashlight. In fact, I hope you have multiple flashlights in case you have one of them die. If you don't have a flashlight, you can go to Ace Hardware and you can purchase a flashlight. But I want you to imagine your house actually has a lot of natural light. And your house is so bright and cheery that you decide, I want some darkness. So you go to Ace Hardware and you say, excuse me, I'd like to purchase a flash dark. Do you have a flash dark? I mean, the person that's waiting on you would say, are you out of your mind? I mean, there's plenty of darkness. What we need are flashlights. The truth is, in this worship center this evening, there's a lot of darkness. There's more darkness than there is light. Well, right after we walk through John 1, we're going to have the opportunity to turn on a little candle. And that little candle can bring light to a dark environment. In fact, we could take this worship center and we could multiply it by thousands, millions, or billions of other worship centers, and still the moment you turn on that flashlight like candle, there will be light. And all the darkness in this auditorium or in a whole lot of auditoriums can't overwhelm the darkness. Jesus is the light of the world. No one can stop him. No one can keep him from shining forth. Now, we know that God introduced the light into a dark world, but in verses 6 through 8, we discover that John came onto the scene sent by God to introduce Jesus. Look at these verses with me. John the apostle writes, There came a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, this is not the Apostle John writing about himself. This is the Apostle John writing about John the Baptizer, or John the Baptist, if you prefer. In verse 7, we read, He, John, came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. So here we have John the Baptizer coming upon the scene, to introduce to humanity the light, the light, Jesus Christ himself. John's personal mission statement is found in John chapter 3, verse 30. John's personal, personal mission statement is that Jesus Christ might increase and that John might decrease. 
John exists to point people to Jesus, to the one that would come after him. So in this three-verse section, we have light mentioned three times. Now, in this passage, light will be mentioned a total of six times. Light is the key word. But here we also read twice that John is to testify about the light. He is to represent the light or to reflect the light of Jesus Christ. Have you noticed on cold December evenings like tonight, you can see a brilliant moon now, we look at that moon and we say, look at how that moon gives off light. But we know better, don't we? It's the sun's light reflected by the moon. If you've believed in Jesus Christ, your goal is to reflect, not the S-U-N, but to reflect the S-O-N, the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why you exist. That's why I exist. Now, why is it that during the Christmas season, particularly the 2020 Christmas season, we're having a hard time reflecting light. I'm not going to bog down in COVID and governor mandates and all kinds of challenges where we're separated from family members. There's a lot to be discouraged about. And you know what ends up happening? We're not able to be the light because we're caught up in the limitations that we have been placed under. The way that we're able to light up a dark world is by making a decision to lighten up. We can be critical. We can be cynical. We can choose to be depressed and discouraged as Christians. And you know what's going to happen? The light of Jesus Christ is not going to be reflected in and through our lives. Jesus said, I am the light of the world in John chapter 8, verse 12. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus said to his disciples, and you are the light of the world. We are to reflect Jesus Christ. We are to be lights, but we have to lighten up. I don't mean we need to think lightly about what's going on in our world today. I'm just saying we need to focus in on what we do have and how we have been blessed, and that we can have joy even in the midst of our circumstances. We can be content because we have the Lord Jesus available to us. We have access to His Word and to people who love Him. We ought to be excited about that, but we need to let our light shine. How can we do that, practically speaking? Well, here's one idea. You can take a light bulb, a flashlight, or how about the little tea light that you have underneath your seat, and you can take that home, and you can put that on your kitchen table, you could put that on your desk, you could put that on your workstation at work to remind you that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Every day you could be reminded by seeing that source of light. That's our small gift to you. Now, you could also simply make a decision tonight. I'm going to start praying for family members, friends, neighbors, classmates, co-workers, who I want to experience the light of the world. 
I want to be a part of the answer to prayer. I want to pray that they will see Jesus in me and that I will be able to testify about Jesus to them. You could identify a lonely person or two in your life and you could pick up the phone. Yeah, go old school. Pick up the phone. Try it. And you could tell them you miss them and you care about them and you love them and that their lives matter. If you can't reach them by way of phone, you can email them, you can text them, or how about this one? Go real old school. Handwritten letter or card. Do you know how excited a lonely, discouraged person would be to get some mail? Oh, it would mean the world. You could also be the light by blessing your neighbors. When the snow comes again, how about shoveling snow off their driveway? When their cars are parked outside, why not scrape snow and ice off of their vehicles in the morning? I mean, your neighbors wouldn't know what to do with themselves. Do you know what a small blessing that would be? Or what about going even further? The poor, the needy in our community, providing a hot meal, a hot drink. What about giving a designated gift card that would provide for their material needs. See, we can be the light of the world if we would lighten up and focus on the light himself, the Lord Jesus. So we have seen that John has introduced us to the light. God the Father has introduced us to the light. The sad news is, though, as human beings, we have a tendency to reject the light. And that's verses 9 through 11. Listen to these words from John. There was the true light. Did you catch that? John believes in objective truth. The true light. That's Jesus. Which, coming into the world, enlightens every man. So here we have Jesus coming into the world in the form of a baby. God himself became man. He became a human being. And he enlightened the world by showing them the creator God didn't stay in heaven. He came down to earth to live a life with his creation. It's astonishing. And he enlightened every person with a knowledge that he is the creator God. The problem, though, is humanity thinks it's enlightened. And human beings are brilliant in many ways, in many sciences, in many arenas. But human beings don't understand the soul. They don't understand that which is eternal. But the light of the world does. And that's where he offers us his truth in verse 10, we read, He, Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. How sad is this? Jesus, the creator God, came down to earth, and the world doesn't recognize him. But it's not just that they didn't comprehend him, as we saw in verse 5. This use of the word know means they didn't desire a relationship with Jesus. So those who have never believed in Jesus as Savior, they said, no, thank you. Not interested. But there's an application for those of us who do know Jesus. While we may not outright reject Jesus, 
we neglect Jesus. We get so busy in the Christmas celebration that should be about Him that we neglect Him in the process. Verse 11 is especially heart-wrenching because John writes, He, Jesus, came to His own, and those who were His own did not receive Him. In other words, the Jewish people who Jesus, a Jewish man, came to save, to deliver, to rescue, they said, not interested. You're not the Messiah. You're not the one that has been sent by God to deliver us. Instead of receiving him, putting out a welcome mat, they put a do not disturb sign on the door. And the same is true of many of us. We don't have an interest in Jesus. We may have had an interest in one time, but we're over that phase of our lives. And this hurts the heart of God. Whether we are a believer or a non-believer. It's sad, isn't it? Many of you have heard of the term SAD. It's an acronym for Seasonal Affective Disorder. It happens about this time of the year. The days are shorter. The temperature is colder. It's dark. It's depressing. It's discouraging. And people go into great depression and discouragement. So those that struggle with SAD, they have to go through light therapy. Light has to come into their office space or into their home. They have to find artificial means of light and go through light therapy. And that can help them physically, mentally, emotionally. And I support that. I think that's wonderful. But what about spiritual light therapy? What about true light therapy? That's Jesus. He fixes the spiritual side of us, but he also fixes the physical, mental, and emotional. We've got a few days left in 2020. If you're a believer, are you spending time with Jesus? Are you trying to focus on his word? Are you setting spiritual goals as we head into 2021, which may be our most difficult year to date? See, I said spiritual goals. I didn't say New Year's resolutions. New Year's resolutions disappear like my wife's gluten-free Christmas cookies. They go through the second week of January. I'm talking about spiritual goals that you make as an individual, as a family, and with your church, where you say, there are some goals and we're going to accomplish individually, as a family, and as a church. We're going to read through the Bible in 2021. We're going to pray vigorously for the first 40 days of our year. We're going to get involved in community with other believers because we know this is not working for us the way that we might like. We need a smaller group where we can be known and where we can know people. If you're exploring Christianity, you can simply take another gift that we have for you at the Welcome Center, a copy of the Gospel of John, and you can start reading the very book that I'm speaking out of. You can read a chapter a day. It'll take you less than five minutes. It'll tell you what you need to know about Jesus. And when you don't understand something, you can put a question mark or a check. And you can contact our church staff. 
And we have men and women who would love to explore some of these questions with you and dialogue with you. And if you are someone who's a skeptic, a cynic, you can turn to us, you can turn to individuals in our church, and you can ask the hard questions. And we will do everything in our power to try to answer those questions. There's no question off limits. We will never dismiss one of your questions. We want you to move closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. We have seen that our tendency is to reject Jesus, but we have an invitation. We can receive Jesus. This Christmas, we can receive Him. So look with me at verses 12 and 13. John writes with some good news, but as many as have received Him, He gave them the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name. That's a wonderful verse, and we're going to talk about that. But first, we need to go to verse 13, which tells us how not to become a child of God. So look at verse 13. We'll see three ways not to become children of God. Who were born, number one, not of blood. Many people assume because they're human beings or Americans or another ethnicity that they're going to go to heaven that they're children of God. Others would say, no, my human descent, the fact that my parents raised me in the church and I was raised in a Christian home, that ensures that I'm a child of God. John says, none of those things dealing with your humanity allow you to become children of God. Now notice, secondly, nor of the will of the flesh. All the wonderful things that you and I have done. We've tried to clothe those in need. We've tried to feed the hungry. We've tried to be a wonderful neighbor, a wonderful spouse, a wonderful parent. We've tried to bless people in every way we possibly can. We've been baptized. We've become church members. All those things, they're wonderful. But your efforts and your performance will not take you to heaven, and they will not allow you to be a child of God. Lastly, John says, nor of the will of man, but of God. In other words, your choice, your initiative, your pursuit, as wonderful as those things are, that's not how you become a child of God. The reason any of us become children of God is by God's will, that God pursues us. He takes the initiative with us. He seeks us out so that no one can boast in being sincere or being genuine. It's the will of God that brings us to be children of God. Verse 12 tells us now how to become children of God. It tells us we need to receive Jesus. What does it mean to receive Jesus? Well, I can tell you what it doesn't mean. As adults, we typically walk to the mailbox and we're anticipating that we're going to get more bills. So we're not excited, we're not eager. We open up the mailbox, we take out our mail, and then we sort of slink back to the house. That's not receiving the way the Bible intends. Receiving is what your children do on Christmas Day. When they are presented with a gift, 
They grab that gift. They rip it out of your hands. They embrace it, and then they tear into it. That's what it means to receive. It means you embrace Jesus. You trust in Him. You exercise faith in Him. And that's what John says in verse 12. He says, when you receive Jesus, God gives you the right, the privilege, or the honor to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name. Now, receive and believe mean the same thing. But we're to believe in His name. Well, what does the name of Jesus mean? The Lord is salvation. In other words, because we are sinful, we need a Savior. But that's not all it means. In Jesus' day, your name was not just a title or something that people called you. It had to do with your character, different attributes, and things that you were known for. For our purposes, it means we have to believe in Jesus' person. His person is the eternal God, the eternal creator, the eternal life, and the eternal light. And then we believe in his work, that he lived a sinless life, that he died on the cross for the sin of humanity, that he rose from the dead to demonstrate that he was God. That's what we're believing in. And when we believe... We've received God's greatest gift, Jesus Christ. And then we are adopted into his family. We become children of God. Now, the moment of truth leads to a philosophical question. So humor me for just a moment. Imagine three of your neighbors are taking down their Christmas lights. They have their ladders out, and they're getting ready to climb down their ladder with some of their Christmas lights. But two of your neighbors have unusual courage, and they decide to jump from the top rung of the ladder. How many of your neighbors are left on their ladder? One. I mean, that seems obvious, doesn't it? Three minus two equals one. The problem is, that's incorrect. All three are on the ladder. Because only two decided to jump. You see, there are many times where we decide to believe in Jesus, but we haven't jumped off the proverbial ladder. We haven't exercised faith in Him and Him alone. We sort of hedged a bit. Well, I'll believe in Jesus and I'll trust in my own works, or I'll believe in Jesus half-heartedly. I won't fully embrace Him like a Christmas gift. And today is the day for some of you where you will embrace Jesus Christ as your Savior. Our delight must be the light of Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're a Christian or you're considering Christianity, your delight, my delight, our delight must be in the light of Jesus. He's the Christmas gift that will bring joy and contentment and peace and purpose. See, the truth is, I've demonstrated why we all love Christmas lights, because it's what God intended. God anticipates that every time you look at your neighbor's Christmas lights, every time you look at your Christmas lights, every time you look at lights over the city, you think of Jesus Christ. 
Every single time you're looking at a flashlight, a light bulb, even in a few days or a few weeks when you take down your own Christmas lights, I hope and pray you will think of Jesus, the light of the world. And I pray that you will receive him as the ultimate Christmas gift. Our delight must be in the light of Jesus. Will you please pray with me? Father, we acknowledge that we need the Lord Jesus. We are trusting in Him as our Savior. Lord, I know, though, that many are still struggling to do that. Those who are in person, those who are in overflow, those who are watching online, this is the moment of truth. This is where you can embrace Jesus. And all you need to do is acknowledge your need of Him that you need his light because you've been living in darkness. If you would like to trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior for the very first time, would you just slip up your hand and let me know? I want to believe in Jesus Christ as my Savior today for the very first time. I'll just allow a moment. Let me know if you're trusting in Christ for the first time. I will be available at the Welcome Center. If you'd like to explore Christianity, I would love to give you a copy of the Gospel of John. To your right, there is a prayer room. People are available to pray with you and to help answer spiritual questions that you have. We want to be available to help you to take that next step. Father, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you that so many of us know him. Lord, would you help us to believe in him again and again and again, and to acknowledge our desperate need of light. We love you, and we thank you, Lord, for Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.